Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew, with this sermon entitled, Real Love, preached on June 3, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 22. I want to speak to you on the subject, love. Of course, it is a very commonly used word, and so naturally you don't want to listen carefully. One day, a Pharisee, an expert in the law, which of course is the first five books of Moses, tested Jesus with this question. What is the question? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And you know, Jesus replied, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus said, all the law and the prophets, that means the entire Bible, Hang on these two commandments. In other words, the will of God for us is to love God without a limit and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what Christian life is all about. Christian life is learning to love and to love. First of all, God. And secondly, our neighbors. Now in the Greek language, you know, there are three words that are used referring to love. First, of course, is eros. Now this word does not appear in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. Now, From this word eros, we have erotica. Eros stands for sexual love, romantic love. Now, the world (laughs) mostly major in this word is philia, from which we have the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And this word philia generally refers to affection between friends. Now both eros and philia can be motivated by self-interest, self-gratification, self-protection. But there is a third word, and you know it. The Greek is agape. Now this word alone points to a self-sacrificing love. A lack of self-interest, self-gratification, self-preservation. It is love that is primarily motivated by the interest and welfare of others. Now the Bible says all men are conceived in sin and born sinners. This is the clear teaching of the Bible. All are sinners. All have sinned. 
Therefore, they are enemies of God and absolutely incapable of loving with this kind of agape love, self-sacrificing love, other-affirming love. Now this agape is very sparingly used by secular writers, if it is used at all. But when you come into the New Testament, this is the word that is most widely used with reference to love for God and love for spouse and love for the enemies. And this love is divine in the sense it is the love the persons of the Godhead loves one another with from all eternity. Now the Bible speaks about this. If you turn to St. John chapter 3 and verse 35, listen to this language. The Father loves the Son. Father loves the Son. And this is the love of the Father to the eternal Son in the persons of the Trinity. And this love is an attribute of God. And this love is eternal. Father loves the Son. Son loves the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit loves the Father. Father loves the Son. There is that communion among the persons of the Trinity. So point number two is that we must know this. That this agape love is not the love that you see in the world of sinners. I just made the point that they are absolutely incapable of doing it. It is a divine love and brought from heaven into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. Point number three is this, that we cannot love God First of all, most of all, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves, with this kind of love, unless God first loves us, and our love will be a responsive love to God. Before man, sinful man, is able to love God. God must love him and change his sinful enmity toward God and neighbors. As enemies of God, we crucified Jesus Christ. We did not love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And as sinners, we war against our neighbors. We kill our own children in the womb for our pleasure and convenience. So no sinner can love God and his neighbor without God in love changes his nature of enmity to love. Therefore we read in the New Testament God loved sinners in Jesus Christ 
and planned our salvation from all eternity. Christ loved us and gave his life in behalf of us for our salvation. And the Holy Spirit loves us and therefore applies salvation to each one of us. So St. John says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And in verse 19 he says, We love God because he first loved us. So the point is very clear. A sinner, an unbeliever, cannot love God or his neighbor with this self-sacrificing, other-affirming love. God abundantly pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So says St. Paul in Romans 5 verse 5. So what is the conclusion? The conclusion is only a born again Christian is capable of obeying the first and second commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and might and your neighbor as thyself upon these two commandments hang the entire law and the prophets. In other words, Christian life can only be lived by those who are born of God and filled with the Holy Spirit and are made able to love God in this manner. An unbelieving sinner is an enemy of God and neighbor. He is self-centered. He cannot love until he is made able to do so by God. Now the secular world defines love as a happening Love is primarily a feeling. This is the secular view. It is unpredictable. I am passive and and something happens to me. Over which I have no control. So I feel it. And I fall in love. Then I fall out of love. I cannot do anything about it. When I fall in love I may marry. When I fall out of love I divorce. When I fall in love, I may keep a child. When I fall out of love, I may kill a child. This is not the biblical view. Biblically, love is a verb, really. Love is action. I act in a loving manner toward others. Love is a relationship in which I as a reasonable being use my mind and my might for the benefit of the other in this relationship without regard to myself. That's what love is. So we must love. We are commanded to love. If love is a feeling or unpredictable happening, how can God command me to love God and my neighbor? Love is self-sacrificing action for the benefit of others. A Christian is capable, therefore, to love God first and foremost with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the classic example of this love of God in an unlimited way is the example of Abraham in 
his sacrifice of his son. We are also commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves. Who are neighbors? Your spouse is a neighbor. And you are commanded to love your spouse as yourself. Your children, you are commanded to love your children as yourself. Your parents, you are commanded to love your parents as yourself. Christian brothers, you are commanded to love your Christian brothers and sisters as yourself. Beyond this, we are commanded to love our enemies as ourselves. If love is a happening over which one has no control, how can we love our, our enemies? If love is a reasonable, self-sacrificing activity for the benefit of others, then we can love our enemies by doing good to them. We are told to pray for our enemies. We are not asked to agree with them, but to pray for them, that God may use them as he used Cyrus to do his plan and purposes. Yes, we must pray for our enemies. We must love them. And we pray for them. We must love them and therefore we must preach the gospel to them. That's the greatest love we can render to an enemy of us. That they may come to know Jesus Christ and receive eternal salvation. And made able to love God with this self-sacrificing love. And that is the reason St. Paul has spent his entire life preaching the gospel. He said, I am a debtor. I am under obligation to the Jew and to the Greek. And he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. And the enemies of the gospel must hear it, that they may also be saved. And if you are not sharing the gospel with the enemies of God then you are not loving the enemies as God has commanded us. And not only that, we must love our enemies, even our enemies, by giving them assistance. When they need water, you give them water. When they need food, you give them food. And the next point is love is power. It is might, it is strength, it is motive force. Power and strength with which we do things. And if you turn with me to the book of Genesis, there is a great story, a love story of Jacob uh, for Rachel. You remember that story. And we are told in verse 18 of Genesis 29, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I will work for you, Laban, his uncle, seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Seven years. That's a lot of hard work. Isn't that true? Here is a man who loved somebody seven years and worked hard for seven years. And listen to verse 19. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. This dirty work of shepherding. Out in the sun and in the cold. It's a lot of hard work in the night and in the daytime. Working hard for seven years. And it was easy for him. That's what the text says. Why? Because he loved Rachel. 
He loved Rachel. In other words, love is power that causes you to accomplish hard things. It is the greatest energy you can find. Look at uh, Mother Teresa doing dirty work in the city of Calcutta, picking up dying people and taking care of them. Why do you think she can do these things and others who are working with her to be able to do this? It has to be love. Self-sacrificing love. It is power, it is might, it is energy with which we accomplish things that seem to be impossible. And not only that, let's turn to the Song of Solomon if you can find that. Chapter 8, Song of Solomon. Chapter 8, let me read to you verse 6. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. And verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. Love is might. It is power. It is strength. It accomplishes things, great things, even things that seem to be impossible. St. Paul speaks about this idea that love is power. In 1st Thessalonians chapter 1. And he says in verse 3. We continually remember before our God and Father. Your work produced by faith. And your labor prompted by love. Labor means what? Hard work. Prompted or produced by the energy of this agape love. That God gives to us through his Holy Spirit to every Christian. What do you think that holds together a family? A wife, a husband, and four children. And a wife who may be dying of cancer. And the husband is not walking away. And children who may have problems. What do you think that holds that family together? It is this love of God. What do you think that holds together a church consisting of people from all backgrounds? It is love of God that holds a church in unity. Think about that. Think about that. God commands us first and foremost to love God. The true God. The infinite God. The God of the Holy Scriptures. Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. The people of the world being sinners, it is an impossible commandment. And therefore God loved us first. And through his love he changed us. He transformed us. And made us able to do what? To obey this commandment. And may God help you. To be saved. If you are not born of God. May God help you to be saved. By repenting of your sins. And trusting in Jesus Christ alone. That you may be saved. That the Holy Spirit may. Pour in abundance. This powerful love. With which you will love God. Most of all. And your neighbor as yourself. This other affirming. And self denying love. Now, I'm interested again to 
speak about this subject love I already made the point that the world is steeped in eros in erotica each man is bending over himself like a shrimp he is interested in himself he loves himself and he uses everybody else for his own benefit self gratification self interest he even kills his own baby for his own pleasure and convenience this is the time in which we live but it is not anything new it happened throughout history because people are sinners everyone is born a sinner and self centered and he uses everybody else for his own self purposes so we made the point that no one can love god with all his heart mind soul and strength and his neighbor as himself with self sacrificing other affirming love unless god loves that person and causes that person to be born of god and made able to love god with this agape love and we also made the point that love is divine it is it is an attribute of god and therefore when god loves us he loves us the next point is he loves us with everlasting love love is everlasting well we are told about this specifically in the book of jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3 or oh, it is very very comforting for us to know the kind of love with which god loves us it is not an emotional thing it is intelligent love and in verse 3 we read jeremiah 31 the lord appeared to us in the past saying i have loved you with an everlasting love i have drawn you with loving kindness i will build you up again and you will be rebuilt o virgin israel again you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful god loved us with an everlasting love because the nature of this agape is that it is everlasting even the love with which we love god and one another is love god has first put into our hearts it is everlasting love if that is true how much more it is everlasting when god loves us and so god says yes i have saved you I have dealt with your sin this self-centeredness this arrogance this rebellion this pride I have delivered you from that I sent Jesus Christ his name is Jesus for he shall save you from your sins and therefore now you are able to obey the shema which is what love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength that's what it is a neighbor as you yourself this is it you can do it let's take a look at this point about loving god with all your heart mind soul and strength what does that what does that mean what does that mean does it mean some kind of feeling that dwelling over us and we feel great or good 
Oh no. We define love of God with all our soul, mind, and heart, and might in this way that we surrender ourselves totally to him and obey him completely. It is only when we obey God totally, we love God totally. And I already made reference to the love of Abraham. God commanded him, go ahead, you take your son and sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. Your son, your only son. The son whom you love. You remember that? And he proved that he loved God most of all by doing exactly what God commanded him to do. If we do not obey God completely, we do not love God completely. Let me ask you, what is worship? Worship is complete surrender and submission to the one who is worthy. And that is also an act of love. And so let us not say that we love God when we don't obey him. And a child says, I love my mother and father. But the child refuses to obey father and mother. Love for God means total obedience to him. That's what it simply means. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 5 and, uh, and verse 3. It says this. This is love for God. You see, this is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not what? Burdensome. We are telling God every day almost. What is it? Oh, your yoke is heavy. Your burden is too much. Your commandments are grievous. It's full of burden. You know why? Because love of God is not directing us. When love of God fills our hearts, we truly agree with divine statement that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, his commandments are not grievous. Again, the point here is what? That love for God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength is complete obedience to him. And Jesus himself told us in the Gospel of John, 14th chapter, and the 15th verse, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Let's understand something. Let us say that when we we say we love God and do not obey him, we are lying. And God hates liars. God is a God of truth. And may God help us that we will not come and lie to him. This is also true when somebody comes and says Jesus Christ is Lord and refuses to obey him. You are lying. You are taking the name of the Lord in vain. You are committing a criminal activity when you come to the church and say you confess Jesus Christ is Lord but refuse to obey him. It's a criminal activity. It is not an act of piety. It is not an act of godliness for which I must commend you. It will be an act of piety if we render him obedience. Because that is the implication of that confession that you made. That Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. 
1 John 14 and verse 21. It says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me, Jesus Christ said. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. And verse 23 says, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Here Jesus Christ is laboring. He is teaching the same thing again and again and again because we are dull and slow to learn. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Let me tell you, when God the Father and God the Son come and make their home with us, you will discover his commandments are truly light and it is not burdensome at all. And we shall be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory when God himself comes and manifests to us. And let me tell you, the next point is that the love of God is the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? That's why I said no unbeliever is able to have this agape love because it is the fruit of the Spirit. As we read in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. First, it is love. It is what the Holy Spirit grows in us. This self-sacrificing agape, other-affirming, self-denying, self-sacrificing love is grown in us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, it is also the ultimate fruit. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the last verse says this, 13th verse, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It is the first fruit and it is the ultimate fruit. And let me tell you, it is the fruit with which we live in heaven. In heaven, there will be perfect love. Love for God and love for one another. We live in the bright light of divine self-sacrificing agape love. Yes, because it is the first fruit, it is also the badge of every Christian. Gospel of St. John, the 13th chapter, and 34 and 35th verse, we read this. A new commandment I give, you love one another. As I have loved you, now we must pay attention, as I have loved you, it is Jesus Christ who demonstrated what it means to love God and one another and even enemies. In his life he demonstrated. Moses commanded us. But it is Jesus Christ who gave substantiation to that command by fully obeying that. Now listen. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, this is the badge that every Christian must wear. The badge of agape. Now let me tell you this. This love, this agape love is greater than all the love that you can imagine in any human relationship. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah, the 49th chapter. We are introduced to a love there. 
Isaiah 49 and verse 15. And we read here, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? That is one of the finest examples of human love, self-sacrificing love, other-affirming love. Isn't that true? And now we are told this, though she may forget, I will not forget you. In other words, the love of God, this agape love, this eternal love by which God loves us, is infinitely greater than the best you can imagine in this world. Greater. Yes, mother may forget. How true that is. Not only they are forgetting, they are killing their own babies in their wombs. That's why we cannot look upon mother's love. As the example of agape love. Because we see mothers killing babies. Mothers divorcing husbands. And husbands divorcing mothers. And parents forgetting about children. And divorcing them and going away. Abandoning the children for the vicissitudes of the world. But praise be to God that the love of God, this agape love of God, is infinitely greater. It is powerful. It is everlasting. And now let's look at the point I already made. The demonstration of this love. Where in the world can we find a demonstration of this love? Of course, St. Moses gave us the command. God's command that we should love God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. But he didn't obey God. No one obeyed God. And finally, God himself sent his own son. He sent his own son for this specific purpose. That he may love us by his death on the cross. That's what love. That's why I said you can never look at the cross. And refuse to forgive and love. It's impossible because Jesus Christ gave expression and substance to this command. But the thing is how much God the Father loves us. That he gave his own beloved son. In whom he he was well pleased. The one who was in the bosom of the father was given up. That he may die for you. And this he has done from all eternity. Giving up his own son. Oh Abraham was told not to kill his son. And he didn't. But God the Father did not spare his son. He gave him up. Because God the Father loved us. Let's keep that in mind. God the Father loved us. And love is always giving. Love gives. And he gave us his only son. That's the donation of God the Father for us. There you have God the Father loving you. 
And not only that, God the Son voluntarily and freely loved us and gave his life for us. You see, God the Father loved us and gave his Son for us. And God the Son loved us and gave his life for us on the cross. Love gives. And God the Holy Spirit loves us. He is not glorifying himself. It is as though he is a servant. His only interest is to glorify God the Son. He is not glorifying himself. That's love. And he took upon himself freely and voluntarily the ministry of applying to us Christ's redemption. That our sin may be dealt with. That our enmity may be removed. That our hearts may be filled with the love for God. That we may love God. Look at that. All three persons of the Holy Trinity engaged in this great act of love for the enemies, for sinners, for the ungodly. God did not love us because he saw some merit in us. That's true of eros and philia. Mutual advantage. I see something in you and you see something in me. But God didn't love us because he saw something nice and wonderful in us. In fact, he saw everything that is bad. And whatever good is in us is created by him in us, isn't it? It is of divine causation and creation. That is, that is love. And you see then on the cross... The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilling this commandment as a true Israelite, as a true man. What is the commandment? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he did it. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And he finally dies. That is rendering total obedience. To the Father, it was the Father's will that he die, and he did die. And not only that, he loves us. The Lord Jesus Christ loves us. The church, isn't that true? He loves the church. And he gave himself for the church. And he's committed to make us glorious, blameless, without spot, without wrinkle. And not only that... Jesus Christ loves his own enemies. His own enemies. You murdered him. The Lord, the Christ, the Holy One, the Prince, the author of life. And they were convicted and they cried out, What must we do to be saved? And what is the answer? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see... Jesus Christ loves uh, enemies. And I was an enemy of God. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You were enemies of God. And if you are an enemy, let me say to you that Jesus Christ loves you. And how do you know that Jesus Christ loves you? I'll tell you, it's a very easy test. You will repent. If you repent and if you trust in Jesus Christ, it is a clear evidence of the fact what? God loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. None loves God until he is enabled to love God by changing us. And, and he commands us to love him. Remember he asked the question to Simon son of Jonas. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me more than all these disciples? Or more than the fish? Oh he finally said I do. Then he said fine. Let me tell you what is awaiting for you. They will crucify you. But the strength of love is what? It is death defying. And may God help us. To love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. And may God help us to love our enemies. By praying for them. By preaching the gospel to them. And by doing good to them. And also may God help us to love the church of Jesus Christ for whose sake Christ died and gave himself for us yes it is an impossible thing for an unbeliever to do but it is an easy thing for a Christian to do it is my prayer that you repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ alone that you may know what it is to be loved of God and to love God Amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.